of the saints. The garment of the saints. And uh, we are seriously going to look at this critically from the scriptures. And we are trusting God for an uh, objective and intelligent journey tonight. Journey into the scriptures. And I want us to put on our thinking cap. Bible says Apostle Paul went to the synagogue reasoning and disputing with them from the scripture. Convincing them that Jesus is the Christ. So there was a reasoning from the scripture. And tonight we want to do that. Looking at the scriptures and gleaning from the scripture. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight as we learn seriously from your word again. We ask, O oh God, that truth will be unfolded to us. Great truth. Accurate truth. Make my mouth and my tongue like a pen of a ready writer. Let your words be written in our hearts again. We ask, O oh God, that great good will be done through the ministry of your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So we are looking at the believer's garment. Now, of course, we all know what garment means. Clothing, apparel, covering. That which you put on. Those are your garments. What you put on, what you wear, that's your garment. Your clothes. You put on those. And... Uh, we want to look at how that affects the believer. The place of that and how that affects us. Now, ever since the fall of man in the Garden of Eden, even till now, man has been wearing garments. We have been wearing clothes. We have been putting on apparel for one reason or the other. From the time of the fall to what is known as the time of conscience, being ruled by your conscience or man's conscience ruling them, till the time that God gave laws in Moses and of course the coming of Christ and posts, you know, the ascension of Christ, the church age, and of course in the millennium and ultimately in the new world. Man has been wearing garments. Why? What is the purpose? We want to look at this. And I want to look at the real import of garments to the church. What, has, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible have to tell us about garments? As far as the church is concerned. What is the real garment of the Christian? What are the principles that undergirds the wearing of garments so that we can walk accurately? 
Because if you do not know the real garment of the church and you switch it, you are going to find yourself walking in error and majoring in minors. And to a large extent, we have seen certain teaching in the church that has not helped us a great deal. Because we have made or we have interpreted certain scriptures in the way that the Bible or that's in the way that is con- that contradict the intent of those scriptures. And so we want to look at the garment. Now, before we go into the real issue as to how the how garments you know affect or the place of garment in the lives of the believer. We want to first look at garments as far as Old Testament is concerned. Garment, the issue of garments in the Old Testament. What is the purpose or what was the purpose of garments? And then we look at the sharp change or the paradigm shift that took place between the old and the new. And how God will have you to respond to that. Because these things affect our lives. Now the first thing I want to say is that garment in the Old Testament talks about covering, for covering. To cover man's nakedness. Of course we saw in the garden of, you know, when Adam sinned, Adam and Eve sinned, they ate the forbidden fruit. And of course the Bible tells us that they saw that they were naked and then they looked for fig leaves or leaves to cover their nakedness. And then after that, God came and, you know, slay a lamb and then took the coat of the lamb, the covering, and used that to cover their nakedness. So, from that we see that something went wrong. Man ate of the fruits of the knowledge of good and evil. We are not going to the doctrine of that knowledge now. We're just looking at the fact that they saw that they were naked. What led to that is not what we're looking at. The fact that they saw that they were naked and they took leaves and they cover themselves and of course till today man has been covering his nakedness from the trees you know your clothes is from trees at least majority of our clothes is from trees from wool is from cotton cotton you know sometimes we use coats of animal skin but most of the garment we wear is from leaves is from trees and so we see that the second thing we see is that garment is for sex identification Sex identification. The Old Testament talks about that to identify themselves. You know, there are garments that male wears and there are garments that female wears as far as Old Testament is concerned. That's why Deuteronomy 22 verse 5 says, a man should not wear that which pertaineth to a man, to a woman, and a woman should not wear that which pertaineth to a man. So we can see that, that in the Old Testament, we see gender you know, d- gender difference as far as clothing or garment wearing is concerned. So we see a particular kind of dressing that is that pertaineth to women and that we pertaineth to men as far as Old Testament is concerned. And that, you know what I'm saying, that was, you know, something that was commanded by God. God told them, God we have them to dress in a particular way as far as you understand their sex is concerned. Okay. The next thing we see in the old, we see in the Old Testament is that garment has to do with religious practices. Religious practices. For instance, you see the high priest in the Old Testament 
had a special kind of garment that he had to wear. In fact, it was specially sewn with some special uh, attachments. You understand that was put place on them because of the kind of assignment or because of what that you know their 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 clothes represents. Okay, now let's quickly look at that. I think we need to look at that. Exodus twenty eight. Exodus chapter 28. And we read from verse 3 now. Or from verse 2. And thou shalt make only garments for Aaron, thy brother, for the glory, for glory, and for beauty. So you're going to make only garments. Holy. Garment now holiness here is not talking about sin, it's talking about no stain. It must be clean, clean whole, clean without holy garment separate. And then that means that it must be a garment sanctified. That's another word for holy. It is for only that purpose. In other words, Aaron cannot wear that garment. For another thing apart from what we are going to consecrate it for. Even though it belongs to Aaron. It is a holy garment. Sanctified. Sacred. And thou shalt speak unto all that are wise at it. Whom are filled with the spirit of wisdom. That they may make Aaron's garment to consecrate him. That he may minister unto me in the priest's office. So for Aaron to minister in the priest's office. To stand as the high priest, there is a special garment or clothes he has to wear. And God had to, God specially anointed certain people with wisdom so that they could sew those garments. So it's not just I went for training. I, I'm a tailor, I'm a fashion designer, then I can sew it. No, those people are specially anointed, specially consecrated to sew this kind of garment. So we can see that in the old. Verse 4. And these are the garments which they shall make a breastplate and an effort, and a robe, and a broidered coat, a mitre, a gadu. And they shall make holy garment for Aaron, thy brother, and his sons, that he may minister unto me in the priest's office. And they shall, and they continue as to that. What we are bringing out is that there are special garments that was to be worn, or that were worn by what? By who? By the priest to stand in the priestly office. Do you get that? That's Old Testament. Special garment by the priest. And it was repeated again in Leviticus. If you read the book of Leviticus chapter 8 from verse 2. Let's read Leviticus 8. Leviticus chapter 8 from verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, Speak unto Aaron and say unto him, When thou lightest the lamp and And um, give light over against the candlestick. And Aaron did so, and blah, blah, blah. Let's verse uh, 6 now. Wow. Is this chapter 8? Pardon? No, that's not the capture. 
Sorry, just a minute. Let me just check chapter 18. Verse, uh, let me see, let me see. Otherwise, we'll continue. There's a chapter there in Leviticus. I I don't know how I make the mix up. Okay, so we can see that Aaron was to wear special garment was made for Aaron as a high priest. And of course, you do not just say, I like this design, I want to go and sew it. It's forbidden in the Old Testament. It is only meant for Aaron and his sons because they were consecrated unto God as who? As priests. Aaron was the high priest and his his sons were the priests. Priesthood line was found in the house of the Levites. Do you get that? Okay. So we see that. Now again, we see garments, special garments or garments in the Old Testament for leaders, the kings. The kings had special garments, special clothes that they wear on the throne. That they, you know, as kings, they, they are special clothes that they put on in the Old Testament. Second Samuel chapter chapter 13 look at that 2nd Samuel 13 now you will see the import of this as we continue because it's important to know that this this kind of thing you know you know took place and was obtained you know in the old testament and we're going to see a transition okay 2nd Samuel 13 18 and she had a garment of diverse color, of diverse. Sorry, Second Chronicle eighteen, Second Chronicle eighteen. Sorry, Second Chronicle eighteen for Kings, verse nine. And it came to pass. Second Chronicle 18. Are we there? Okay, verse 9. And the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, sat either, either of them on his throne, clothed in their what? Robes. And they sat in a void place at the entering of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets prophesied before them. So, there were kingly robes. There were robes, garments, clothes that were put on by the kings. That everybody will know that this is a king. You remember when uh, Ammon thought, was thinking that the king would make him the next man. And was say, he told the king, he said, let the king use the robe that he put on. Let him put it on, on the man that pleased him. Thinking that he would be, you know, thinking that he, he is the one that the king had in mind. Not knowing that he was Mordecai. So there was, there were king robe, there were kingly robe that were worn in the Old Testament. If you read verse 29 again, you will see that when they were supposed to go to, uh, to the battle, King uh, Jehoshaphat joined affinity with King Ahab. When he went, you know, the robe that the King Ahab ought to have worn, he didn't wear it. And he told Jehoshaphat to wear the robe of the king, you know, and he disguised himself, not dressing like the king, so that he could pretend or he could feign it that at the war front, they will not be able to locate him as the king because he was not wearing the kingly robe. Okay, so there were kingly robe that were worn in the what? In the Old Testament. 
Okay. Now the next one we see is that you know garments were worn for identification. We could identify certain people are known by their garment that this person belonged to this or that. Look at Second Samuel thirteen. Second Samuel thirteen. And we read verse 18. And she had a garment of diverse color upon her. For with such robes were the king's daughters that were virgins appareled. Then his servant brought her out and bolted the door after her. This was Tamar that was raped by Amnon. Did you get that? Okay, but before that time, she had a special garment that was, you know, that was sewn and given to the king's daughters who were still virgins. And of course, people could identify them that these ones are these and these and these. So there were special garments that was for identification. And of course, if you, have, if you read the book of Proverbs, you will have seen Solomon talking about that there was a woman that was going around the corner of the street who appeared in the attire of a who, attire of an alot. So you could identify people by their attire, by their garment. So certain dresses where you could showcase the kind of person that was inside the clothes. Okay. And of course, in the Old Testament also, I don't want to go into the details of that, but we could see that garment also revealed the state of the art of people, particularly when they are in one kind of, you know, when they have committed blunder. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when people mourn, when they, when they become sorrowful for their sin, for their offense, what they normally put on is what? Sackcloths. Sackcloth reveal the state. Now, you will see later that you don't put on sackcloth in the New Testament. Do you? You will see the import of all what we have said. Because the challenge is this. If you don't put on sackcloth in the New, why do you think that other garments I've mentioned must be put on in the New? I've jumped now. I've only introduced that. We'll come to that later. The reason why you must know this is the fact that there is a serious deception of Satan. That if the church is not careful, we will major or minor and we will make the church or the God's people to become externalistic in their approach. Okay. So they put on sackcloth in the Old Testament. Genesis 37. Genesis 37. Verse 34. And Jacob rent his clothes and put on sackcloth upon his loins and mourned for his sons many days. What happened here? When Joseph's brother, siblings, when they came back, having sold Joseph into slavery, you understand? And then they came back and lied to the father that one wild animal has killed your son. And the father went and started mourning for his son and he put on what sackcloth. David also mourned for Saul. You understand? He mourned. You know, at the death of Saul, he mourned. First Chronicle 21, 
You can see all that Israel mourn, you know, in the book of Esther. When uh, Ammon plotted the coup to, you know, to exterminate all the Jews, you understand? And the, the news, they came to Mordecai and eventually to Esther. Israel mourned. And there was a the great mourning among the Israelites. They put on what? Sackcloth. Okay, so sackcloth has always been put on to reveal what? Mourning, sorrow, state of the earth. If you go and read the book of Psalm, you will see garment of shame. All other garments being mentioned that reveal the status or the state of the heart of men. Okay, then of course we see more in the Old Testament that we see works, the kind of work people do. Soldiers, military guys, they put on warfare clothes. We saw Goliath, we saw Saul putting on armor. You understand? And he put on his own, you know, coat, coat of mail that he wanted to go and used to fight. Who now? Goliath. And he couldn't for fear in his heart. And when David came, Bible says that Saul gave David his garment, his coat. And David could not go with it because of the size. It was too weighty for David. Okay, so we saw them wearing garments like that in the Old Testament for war. For war, you know, occasion. They wore clothes for occasion. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah chapter 2, can a maid forget her what? Ornaments? You understand? It tells us that a, a woman is about to marry. Can she forget her ornament, her wedding gown? Jeremiah chapter 2 tells us that as to certain clothes for occasion. You don't want to wear now and you just say casually. There are garments, there are clothes that reveal. Of course, you know that when, uh, what's his name now? Jacob, you understand, was to marry. The, the first person that was born, he was, she was covered. There was a covering on her that Jacob did not even know that he was deceived by, you know, by who? By Laban. Okay, so there are clothes, garments worn, you know, in the Old Testament for different reasons. Okay. Now, lastly now, we know that garments, lastly now in the Old Testament, there are still some there, here and there, but generally, at least, we know that garments were worn for this. Okay, lastly, garments were worn for honor and promotion. When people are promoted and honor is placed on them, we change their garment. And most of the time, the Bible talks of garment of scarlet. Garment of scarlet. Scarlet. And array them with scarlet. Okay. Daniel chapter 5, verse 7. When the handwriting came on the wall and nobody could interpret, the king said, whoever we interpret will be honored and it will be garment of scarlet will be placed on him. And eventually Daniel did it. And of course, we saw garment that was place on him. In Daniel chapter 5 verse 7, you'll see that in verse 7 and then you also see that in verse 16. Okay. Then the Bible also tells us of the woman, the virtuous woman, that her clothing is of what? Scarlet. Proverbs 31 verse 32. Her clothing. That means she's honorable. What the Bible is trying to tell us there is a, is a honorable woman. And of course, you can always go and check more on scarlet. You will see scarlet signifying clothes of, you know, of honor. In Ezekiel 16, when God was describing Israel, as to when Israel, when he met Israel, Israel was in blood, nobody was there to take care of Israel. God said, I took you, I washed you clean, and I arrayed you with scarlet and linen. Okay. So, all this thing tells us that in the Old Testament, special external clothes were placed on people 
to signify many things. Do you get that? Old Testament. Now, before we go into the trust of the garment of the believer, we will have to do something to understand that there is a shift. Now, everything that happens, things do not just happen. You don't judge things on the face value. You look at things, what is the life? What is the intent? What is the substance of all that we have seen? What's the substance of things? Now, the, there's a difference between the New Testament and the Old. The dealings of God with Old Testament people were after external order. God dealt after external order. In the New, God is dealing after internal order. Old Testament is about external rituals. New Testament is about internal rituals. Old Testament is about visibles. New is about invisible. Old is about shadow. New is about substance. Old is about Moses and his laws. New is about Christ and his life. Old is about works. New is about grace. Now, you will get this as we continue because you must not approach things on a superficial or just approach things frivolously. You will lose the substance of it. And you will plunge into religion. Are you getting that? Old Testament points to something. The goal of God was never or is never to make us perfect by the Old Testament. Old Testament is never to bring us to perfection. Perfection comes in the new. Are you getting that? Now quickly, now let's quickly go to Hebrews. I don't want to make this thing so broad, but uh, I don't know. You know, sometimes you want to contain things and uh, in an attempt to do that, you might just, some truth might evade and if, you, if it evades you, you will lose the substance of the message. Verse 10. Sorry, it's Hebrews 10 from verse 1. For the law, what is the law? The law of Moses, having a shadow of good things to come, so, good things to come. So, that means in the law, good things are not found. Are you here with me? The Bible says, for the law, having a shadow of good things to come. So, good things were coming, but before the good things appear, the shadow came. Look at this. I wonder which this thing I mean shifted. Now, if you shine this light on me now, and the light reaches outside, those who are outside will see my shadow outside. Now, God is the one shining the light. The light is on the substance. This is the substance, the person coming. But you see, those who are outside will foresee the shadow. The shadow will tell you somebody is coming. Hello? The shadow says somebody is coming. Who is he? We don't know. We just know it's a shadow. You understand? Now, before the appearance of this person, God told them, live with the shadows. Let the shadow interpret something for you. Now, the shadow will not give you the substance. It will give you a hazy pattern. 
He will give you something like it, but it's not it. So, the Old Testament is a shadow. Thou shall not do this. Thou shall not wear this. Thou shall not eat this. They are shadows. They are not the real thing, but they are saying something. You should not eat this kind of food. You should not do this on this kind of day. You sh- this is where you should build your temple. This is, the, this is the way you should do this and this and that. All those things are shadows. They are not the substance. Are you here with me? You have to read the Bible. Hebrews 10 from verse 1. For the Lord, having a shadow of good things to come, so the Lord is pointing that good things are coming, and not the very image of the things. The word the very image means the very substance. The law is not the substance of things. It's not the reality of the things. Can never, see what he say? Can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the commerce thereunto perfect. In other words, the law of Moses could not make anybody perfect. Nobody could please God, could come to a point when God would say, I'm okay, I'm satisfied by the sacrifices according to Mosaic. The Bible said could not make anybody perfect. Because the Lord did not carry the substance. For then will they have conceived to have been offered. I don't want to go into all the exegesis of this. Do you get that? Uh, I don't want to go into all that because it will take our time and it will take us off from what we have in mind. Okay, quickly, let's look at chapter 9. Exodus, sorry, Hebrews chapter 9. From verse 1. Then, verily, the first covenant had also ordinances of divine centers. First covenant had also ordinances of divine service. One of ordinances, commandments, instructions, the things you must do. This is what I want you to do. The Bible says God gave them to do that, you understand, through Moses. But those things, they are pointers or they reveal the real thing that is taking place in heaven. Are you getting that? So those artillery things you are seeing, the white garment, the burning of candle, the eating of this, the showbread, the killing of goats, the what, all those sacrifices, this kind of person should not get to this, you know, only Aaron should enter into the holiest of all, the high priest in the what, in the holy place, and every other person on the outer court. Do you understand what I'm saying? The killing of the lamb, the laying of hands, the, you understand, on the lamb and praying on them and then the clear, cleansing of the people with the sin, sorry, with the blood of the bull and all those things. The Bible says these ordinances, verse 1, then very late the first commandment, add ordinance of divine service and a, word, a worldly sanctuary. So there was a physical sanctuary, a atile tabernacle that was built after that which is in heaven. For there was a tabernacle made, the first, wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which are the golden censer, and it describes all that takes place in the tabernacle made by Moses. Do you get that? Some churches still do this. They still build their church after this order. 
You know, we have a holy place. We have this. A woman must not get to this. A woman must not get to this. Now, all those things are after Old Testament. They were true in Moses. But God has canceled those things. There is no room for those things again. You will see as we continue. Uh, and it's talking about verse 5. And over it, the cherubim of the cherubim overshadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot speak particularly of those things, blah, blah, blah. Now these things were thus ordained. The priest, blah, blah, went into the first tabernacle accomplishing service. But into the second when the high priest, that's Aaron, went, the priest would go, come into what? The holy place. But into the holiest can only be entered by what? The high priest. And then they go with the censer, they, you know, like uh, Turari. What do you call it now? Golden censer and do all this. Some churches do that. White garment, Roman Catholic church, they still do all that. You see, find all those things being done in many circles. Okay. Now, verse 8. See what he saying. The Holy Ghost signifying that the way into the holiest was not yet made manifest. While as yet, as the first tabernacle was yet standing, which was a figure for the time then present, in which they offered both gifts and sacrifices that could not, can you imagine this? They were offering gifts and sacrifices, yet those things could not touch humans' problem. And God said, be doing it for the time I allow it until the time of the real thing. I know it can't take care of your problem, but be doing it for a while. In the which both gifts and sacrifices that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to conscience. So, the inner core of the human being doing those things, still have their dregs, yet they are doing those things. And God said, I need. Just continue the religion. Verse 10. Which stood only in meats and drinks and diverse washings and carnal commandment imposed on them Till the time of reformation. So it was an imposition. Be doing this thing in your ignorance. Even though you don't know the meaning. Until the real time of reformation. When I will reform all things. But Christ. Verse 11. That's where the substance is now. But Christ. Being come. An high priest of good things to come. Remember we said good things to come in Hebrews 10.1. So Christ is the real substance. The high priest of good things to come. By a greater and a perfect tabernacle, not made with hands. Listen, the tabernacle that Christ administers his own assignment, priesthood order, is not made with human hands. It's not actually, it's heavenly. That is why, listen, after the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus, we saw the veil in the temple rent from top down. And the Bible says, meaning the way to the holiest of all is open to all. To open to all. Before, it's only one person. Now, all can come. How? Because Jesus has gone before them. So he can now go. Are you getting that? Okay. Not made with hands. That is to say, in this building. Neither by the blood of bulls and it continue and continue. So what we are saying is that there is a sharp difference between the old and the new. The old signifies something. The old points to something. But the old is not the substance. Moses is not the substance. Christ is the substance. Moses said, A prophet like unto me shall your God raise up. Him shall you hear. 
at the Mount Transfiguration, Jesus took three of his disciples and they went with him. Peter, John, James. They were there. And while they were discussing, a light shone and they fell. By the time they woke up, they saw three guys. Moses, Jesus, and Elijah. And Peter, in his usual, you understand what I'm saying? Being forward to talk, he said, oh Lord, this is good. Let's make three tabernacles. Like the one Moses made. One for Moses, one for you, and one for Elijah. Meaning, let's have three tabernacles that whoever likes Elijah will go and go to Elijah. Whoever likes Moses, whoever likes you. And before he finished talking, a voice spoke, almost slapping his mouth with word. This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased. Him shall you hear. Hear him. So that there is no confusion. By the time they opened out of the fear of the water, came, their eyes opened, they saw only one person, Christ. What was God saying? The ministry of Elijah has accomplished his assignment. I sent him ahead to say certain things. I am no more operating in his ministry. The ministry of Moses has accomplished his purpose. Now is the ministry of my son. The ministry of Moses and the ministry of Elijah must find their meaning in the ministry of Christ. Otherwise, their ministry has no relevance. If they don't submit to the ministry of Christ, they will take you into error. You know, if you take Moses, in just in Moses, and say, I'm for Moses, you will find yourself in hell by the time you arrive. Because Moses himself needed Christ to get to the Father. Elijah himself needed Christ to get to Christ. You don't measure a person in the assignment. You measure a person in the content, in the way they are wired. It's not for your assignment. It's false. What has grace and election made that person? Hello? I said, you measure a person. You look at a person falsely from what grace and election has made him. Not what he has done. Elijah might probably might have performed more miracles than Jesus. It doesn't matter. Moses might have done so much. It doesn't matter. What matters? This is my beloved son. You know I'm pleased. Okay, so we can see that, that we, we see that interplay. Now, when Jesus began to unravel and open his own kingdom, his ministry, his assignment, then we begin to see Jesus approach completely radical. Different from Moses. Different from Elijah. In fact, there are points, there are instances that Jesus openly negates Elijah's ministry. Openly negate Mosaic, saying, My ministry is not like Moses, it's not like Elijah. I am neither both of them, I am Christ. While Moses' dealing or the dealing of the Father of God with Moses was mostly externalistic rituals, in Christ it is internal. Are we here tonight? I'm saying this as a general. I want to begin to go into the core. New Testament in Christ is in sharp contrast to that which we see in Moses. There's a sharp contrast. There's a difference between Moses and Christ. Law and grace. Moses said an eye for an eye. Jesus said no. In this ministry, it's not an eye for an eye. They said... In Moses, you guys go to Jerusalem 
to worship your God. But I see unto you, you don't need Jerusalem again. The Father seeks for those who will worship him in what? In spirit and in the truth. Now the true worshiper do not need to go to Jerusalem. Anywhere they are, they can worship God. As long as they are doing it in spirit and in truth. In Moses, location determines worship. In Christ, heart determines location. Your heart locates you. In Moses, your location locates you. Jerusalem locates you to be precise. And that's why, you understand what I'm saying? Even when you look at Islamic religion, because an offshoot of Abraham, they face certain direction to worship God. They face the east. They pray to the east. Hello? In Christ, you don't watch, you can't look at direction. There's no direction in Christ. The direction in Christ is the direction of your hearts. Are you here with me? I said there's no direction in Christ. God is not in the east. God is not in the west. God is not in the south. God is not in the north. Even though God is in everywhere. It's not in the east and it's in the east. It's not in the west and it's in the west. It's omnipotent. It's omnipresent. It will be wrong for you now to say I want to locate God. I face the east. That's Old Testament. In the new, we don't. And anybody who attempts to do that only signify, only reveal that this person is in error. He doesn't know the truth. Are you here with me? I said, are you here with me tonight? Okay. So what we are saying is that we are not after external order. We are after internal. It's after internal order. It's after what God is doing within man. Amen. I said amen. amen. Praise God. Now quickly, now come with me to Luke chapter 17. Because if you don't know book of Luke chapter 17 if you didn't look at the graduation from Moses into Christ into, from Old Testament to Old Testament you are still going to be made journey on what is not and we're going to lose the substance of our calling and to make your calling and election sure will be impossible not difficult it will be impossible John, Luke 17 verse 20 And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God will come, now you know the story, the, the reason for this, is it was the fact that at that time, the Jews, Israel, was under the tyrannical rule of Roman Empire. And they've longed for what? Emancipation, deliverance. Thinking that when the Messiah comes, he will bring, he will give them, he will bring deliverance to them and they will be delivered from the rule of Roman Empire. So they anticipated that. So when this guy came, who made himself as what? The Messiah. They felt, oh, the time has come now. It's time for our war, emancipation and deliverance. And but they saw that what this man is preaching, his approach was different. In fact, if anything, it was destroying our religion. Our Sabbath, he overruled it. Our washing of hands, he overruled it. Sinners, he was their friend. They hurt with him. He even said that my temple. The temple that Moses, all the temple that we have, we have, you know, with glory in it. He said, This temple in three days will be pulled down. Ah. Even this one was just, ah. what is the meaning of this? We thought we are here for us. You are here to scatter our religion and see what they said. Verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees, now the Pharisees' thing stands for the body of the law. 
These are law experts. The Pharisees. When the kingdom of God should come, he answered them. The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. When will the kingdom come? He said the kingdom you are expecting doesn't come with observation. Meaning, the kingdom can even might have even come without you knowing. And the truth is this. The kingdom have arrived, they didn't know. Because they were looking at it by observation. There's a sharp contrast. In Moses, Moses' advance was by observation. In Christ, the advance of Christ might have even reached you without even knowing. It doesn't come by observation. Observation means it doesn't come by physical senses. You don't pick it. You pick Moses in physical senses. You don't pick Christ in physical senses. You don't pick it by observing external things. In other words, what are we saying? Get this. And I want you to think. In the kingdom of Christ, there is no physical thing that can reveal God is there. Nothing physical reveal the visitation of Christ. Nothing. We do not measure, touch, or reveal God's kingdom in any physical thing of the world for the kingdom of God. Look at the next thing he says. Verse 21. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is what? Within you. That means the kingdom of God is not without. Now, if the owner, the author of the kingdom, and the finisher of the kingdom says the kingdom is within, we don't make it without. To make it without is to negate his word. To even tell him he's not wise enough, he should have added this. It is to behave like Uzzah to help him to prop his kingdom, lest he fall. And he doesn't need no man's hand. He said, for the kingdom is within you. Look at another scripture that he says. I like that scripture. John 7, 24. No, John 18. I like that scripture. And I will marry the two. You know, we are talking about believers' garments. Now, if you don't know all this, to know the garment, you only approach it from religion. And I don't want to teach us rules. I want to give us the life. Let's look at the life, the reason, the substance. What is the father's... Look, God wants us to walk in his wisdom. He wants us to walk, to move. You understand what I'm saying? In the change, in the change, in the paradigm change of his kingdom, of his operational dynamics. John 18, are we there? 36. Jesus answered, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were here, were of this world, then will my servant fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from thence. My kingdom is not from this world. Here it was with Pilate and it was to be judged. And Pilate was telling him, blah, blah, this, you know, I have the power to deliver you and all those. And Jesus answered and said, my kingdom is not of this world. It doesn't originate from material universe. It doesn't originate by human workings. It is not human being initiated. You don't discover my, my kingdom from works of man. Look, as I meditate on this, I find that, look, we have to be very careful. Even in our auditorium building, that's not the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not musical instrument. Powerful church auditorium is good, but that's not the kingdom of God. 
I was watching, just listening to CNN News today. And we're showing tornado crisis, the devastation it has done to Oklahoma City. You know, yesterday night, the, uh, the, the uh, what do you call them now? Those are, uh, what do they call those guys now? Weather forecast. Okay, in the weather forecast, they were saying yesterday in CNN that a tornado is coming. They saw it that a tornado is coming and approaching Oklahoma City and people should get ready. People should... And today it has come. Devastation. Look at everything on its path. They said that that tornado travels two miles wide. Two miles. And it was taking everything on its path. In fact, they said it took something almost 20,000 feet high. See the wreck. There's a church that I watched there. That church is about 26,000 congregation auditorium. Everything flat. Everything. Look at cast. It talk cast as if it's tiny papers. Watch CNN. Those of you have BSTV. Watch it tonight. They will still show it. He told me. Now, what I'm bringing now, look at how long it has taken them to build that kind of auditorium. But listen, the kingdom of God has not been touched. What was touched is building. The kingdom of God was within the hand of those people. Do you know what the pastor said? The pastor came out of that church and he said, and you know what CNN put? He said, church has risen to be one of the major people already giving aids. The pastor said, the pastor of that church came up and he said, we're already making makeshift houses for people. Meaning, we touch the building by the kingdom. Paul said, he said, though I'm in the prison, but the word of God is not bound. The kingdom of God is more than cast. It's not struck, it's not clothes. Jesus did not die so that you can wear good clothes. Before Jesus came, they were wearing good clothes. Before Jesus came, there were virgins. Even among the daughters of the East. So don't say it's only the daughters of the Jews. Look, the Bible says Solomon was wiser than the wisdom of the East. That means Eastern religion, Eastern people, they had wisdom. And God recognized it. Are you here with me tonight? So the kingdom of God, the Bible says, if not of this world, neither can we display this world material and say, this is the kingdom of God. To showcase material things and say, this is the kingdom of God, is to fall into error. And to belittle and to undermine the power and what the advance that the kingdom of God should make. Are we saying that the kingdom of God doesn't need those things? We will see later. But you first must understand substance. Hello? Can I say this? That a medical doctor dresses well. The substance of a medical doctor is not in the dressing. Does it mean they should not dress well? They do. But their substance is not in the dressing. A pro- Look, that's why Wallace Shoinka will still appear simple. But the substance of his, you understand, everything comes. It's not in the gray hair. There are people that ask, you understand, say, fluffer hair than him. They don't have any wisdom. It's not in the gray hair. It's not in his shirt. Hello? Can I say this? We'll come to that. Clothes. If you wear simple clothes, you're humble. If you wear tasty clothes, doesn't mean you are proud. The kingdom of God is deeper than that. We'll come to that. Because over time, we have had interpretations. Misinterpreting the kingdom on external. And we can go into error with all this. And we're going to lose our substance. We will despise the king and we will accept the servant. And there's no greater deception 
than to judge things by appearance. Jesus said, judge righteous judgment. Don't judge after appearance. I do not. My kingdom is not appearance. Listen, you do not judge a woman, accept a woman, accept a man by appearance. You are not holy by appearance. There's no Christian dressing. The kingdom of God is not of this world. You can't judge it by external. So, there is no dressing you can dress and say, this is Christian dressing. That's error. I don't want to be more blunt than that. I would have said that's satanic. Even though I've said it. <laughs> the Bible said this wisdom does not descend from above. It's actually, it's sensual. It appeals to senses. And what does it say? It's devilish. James chapter 3. It's devilish. Any wisdom of judgment that does not proceed from God is actually human. Is human, is sensual, it appears to senses, and the Bible says it's devilish. What are we saying? The first thing we are saying is that there's a transition between you understand old and the new. Old is after external order, new is after internal. We do not measure Jesus by appearance. That's why it beat the imagination that Jesus was not wearing the kind of clothes Aaron was wearing. They didn't see him going to special tailors. It reached them. This guy was not washing his hands, was not doing something. What, what kind of, this can't can be a Messiah. Jesus truncated their religion. This man told everything. It would have been okay if Jesus did not declare himself as anything. Any riffraff can do that. But he now said I'm the, he now said I'm the saint one. No, that, that would be, you know, you, they, couldn't, they couldn't hate him anymore. They couldn't hate him. More than the way they have hated it. Because this guy rubbished the body of their religion. Are you here with me? In John chapter 7, 24, he said, Judge not after appearance. Don't accept a man. Don't, don't disapprove. Don't write off. Don't approve a man. By appearance. Don't say, oh, see the way she dressed. This is a holy woman. You can't know a holy woman by garment. You cannot know a by garment. But in Christ, we don't. And you see the reason. Because in Moses, we knew them by appearance. In Christ, we don't. You know why? So that no man discover Christ by flesh. You can only discover him by faith. No man should discover Christ. In other words, if you are, listen, there is no circle human endeavor that we find that we can enter the answer saying, This is a Christian, this is a Christian. That's error. For us to attempt to make that so is to destroy the kingdom. No man should pick the kingdom of God by sight. We can only pick him in the spirit. The oppression of the kingdom of God is not physical. And so, every attempt to make yourself Christian by sight is error. Do I, am I saying you should not dress decently? I didn't say that. We still come to that. So don't jump. Because some of you, your religion will make you to quickly start jumping. Eh? All this one you say, all this one you say, you better relax because you didn't read the Bible. (laughs) 
Let me show you a scripture. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Oh, I saw something today when I was meditating. Very powerful. I will show us. Are we there? Verse 16. Wherefore, henceforth, what? Henceforth, from now on, know we no man, what? After the flesh, no man. We do not know any man, approve, disapprove, receive, reject any man after the flesh. What? We do not know man after, yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth we know him no more. In fact, those who knew Christ after the flesh took him for an ordinary man. They miss out. Paul said, now we don't. We didn't know that Christ was more than what we took him for. You know what I've seen? Jesus said the kingdom of God come not by observation. In other words, God have done it that the kingdom of God we already among you who know. If you are not a seeker of the kingdom, you don't even know that the kingdom is there. See, listen, listen to this. Bible said, don't say the kingdom, Lord, there, Lord, there. It's not in a church. It's not in Orioke. It's here. You know that what God is saying is that men are carriers of the kingdom. And if you are not careful, the kingdom of God is already brought to you. If you don't know, you will miss it. Because the man I will send to you might, might not come after physical observation. And God will not in the New Testament. He won't. What does this tell us? What this tell us is the father. All the dressing I've told you in the Old Testament about religious order, about the daughter of the king, about this is cancelled in Christ. We don't need all this in Christ. In other words, if you're a king's daughter, as far as Christ is concerned, your virginity is not shown because you are wearing any kind of clothes. That's not the way we know you now. A priest is not known. As a matter of fact, there's no even a priest again. It's, it's gone. So all of us are now priests. The Bible says you have made us priests and kings unto our God. So no high priest. Nobody has to go and pray for you. Of course, that doesn't mean your pastor doesn't pray for you. But really and truly, you are the one that will pray for yourself mainly, not your pastor. In the New Testament. And you're like, that, but from our, that's ignorance. Pastor, please pray for us. That's ignorance. If your pastor is wise and sincere, he will tell you, I'm not praying for you. I can't pray for you. In the spirit of what you are saying, you should pray for yourself. The one I will pray for you, you don't need to tell me. Most of the time, when you tell your pastor to pray for you, he's a lazy one. It's out of laziness and careless and irresponsibility. You should do your praying. If anything, your pastor should be the one telling you pray for us. New Testament, go and check. They are asking, say, brethren, pray for us. You don't see the brethren telling the men of God pray for them. The men of God already know it's their responsibility. Are you here with me? Now, because the believer is still in this present world. Now, I want to get the transition of this wisdom now. Because the believer is still in this present world. You are still going to wear clothes, interact and deal. What then? How then do I strike the balance? What then is my clothes? Now, because you are still going to be wearing clothes, interact, Deal with other people outside. What then is your clothes? And because of this, what you are still going to be doing, then we now go into the core. What then is your clothes? And that takes me to the twofold garment of the believer. The visible garment that the believer wears because he's a human being 
the invisible garment that believers wears because it's of Christ. That visible is common to all, whether you're a believer or not. But the second one, the, vis- the invisible, is unique to the church. I hope you're here with me. In other words, I wear shirts like an unbeliever. That's visible. That's common to all. But there are some other things that I must wear, and that's where the trust that is peculiar only to the church. And that's your real garment. I will look at the real garment tonight, just one or two, and continue next week. Then we will now look at the principles that should checkmate, keep you in shape as to wearing of the garments, the visible garments. Hello, did you get what I said? We'll look at the real garment of the believer. But because you wear clothes, and I don't want to pretend as if I don't know that we have struggles, or we know we, we have a lot of things, things outside, we'll now look at the principles that should tell inform how you dress and what you wear. Do you get that? But I don't want to start with that because that's not the substance. The substance of this thing is that we wear garments. Our garment is not this. That's what I've just said. This one I wear because I'm a human being. But there's a real garment you must wear, we must see, because you are of Christ. You are of the kingdom of God. And this is the garment they wear in this kingdom. Hello? What garment do they wear in the kingdom of God? Not shirt, not trouser, not skirt, not this, not that, not earring, not scarf. That's not what they wear in the kingdom of God. I will show you what they wear. Then because you are still in this world, then we look at the principle that should inform how we dress or how we wear what they wear in this world because we are not of the world. Did you get that? Because I'm still in this world, then what principle should shape my own dressing external now? So I don't just say, well, I'm not of this world. I want to be concerned about the garment of my own kingdom. I don't care whatever that person says. No, we care. Do you get the balance? Amen. So, we talk of the real garment. So, we have the real garment of the saints and the unreal garment of the saints or the visible garment. The real garment of the saint is the garment of the kingdom. It's invisible. But, must be seen in actions. Will be seen in actions. We'll talk about it. Then the second garment is a physical garment which pertains to humanity. It's not because you're a believer. All we wear it. Whether you're a saint or not, whether you, you know what I'm saying. So that one, we only look at the principle that we undergird that. Now, the real garment. What's our garment? The real garment of the believer. Can I say this in summary? Your garment as a Christian is Christ. The cloth you put on as Christian is Christ. It's not shirt. The clothes you put on as a believer is who? Is Christ. Not shirt. Don't put on shirt. Put on Christ. In other words, James, come. What is he wearing? What is he wearing? What am I wearing? Who is a believer? Who is a believer? You don't know. 
But what God wants me to put on is not shirt, it's Christ. So what should be seen in me that will make, them att- will make me attractive is who? Christ. Do you know what makes women attractive? Hair style. To the canal world now. Jewelry, clothes. Ah! Hot leg and all those things. And yet, she can have all that. And as you begin to interact with her, oh, ah, you can vomit. What did I carry? God bless you. Do you get that? Galatians 3, 27. Galatians 3, 27. For as many of you as what? As have been baptized into what? Into Christ. Into the body of Christ. Have put on what? What do you put on? What do you put on? Shirt. Trouser. What do you put on? You put on Christ. What should you wear? What should people see? That you are wearing. Can I say this? Stop wearing shirt. Stop wearing jeans. Stop wearing trousers. Stop wearing makeup. Wear Christ. Your cloth. What makes you attractive should not be this. That's what we are saying. You know what we have said? The way you dress is the way you be addressed. Listen. They can only see you at the level of shirt. By the time they interact with you, they will leave shirts. Is the truth. Listen, I've heard the way you dress, the way you be addressed, it's temporal. The real address, after the first encounter, we switch into the real person you are. Do you understand what I'm saying? Nobody will address you the way you address. It's just for a while they will address you that way. Somebody can greet you well and be, you know what I'm saying? When they see you, you're wearing a powerful clothes, blah, blah, they welcome you. Later. But by the time you start your manifestation, if you are rude, they will change. Is it not true? If you are cruel, if you, you understand what I'm saying? Depending on your disposition, that will stop. Meaning, the real conversation of life is not the way you dress. It's not this physical clothes. The real conversation of life is more than shirt. It's who do you put on? And this is what Jesus is after. That the core, when, where life is really, in the ghetto of life, it is, it is Christ that matters. It's not shirt. In the real arena of life, arena of commerce, arena of relationship, it is Christ. It is the putting on of Christ that places above order. Are you getting the substance of the believer's, the believer's garment? You know it's more than shirt we want to talk about tonight. Some of you and I say, you say, okay, we will know whether she wear trousers or not. What we are talking about is more than that. Christianity is deeper than don't wear your ring, wear your ring. By the time I finish, eh, we finish, you will know whether you want to wear your ring or not. If you wear five, you don't want to wear five, that's your problem. It's your personal conviction. It doesn't make you holy, it doesn't make you unholy. Are we here? The Bible said, those who are baptized into Christ have put on what? The Bible said, you don't even have choice. You have put on Christ. So what you have put on, let's manifest. Amen. One more scripture and we close. Our time is fast spent. We'll close for tonight. Romans 13. Romans 13. We're going to close on this. I want to show you a wisdom here and then we'll continue here on next week. But put you on the law. Put you on what? The Lord Jesus Christ. What is that you put on? And make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the laws thereof. Put on what? 
Do you know what was happening there? Or what they thought? Paul was saying something. That the time is short. The time is fast spent. The coming of our Lord is nigh. And blah, blah. Now let me ask you this. Do you know? Sometimes when the consciousness of the fact that Jesus is coming, everyone is coming, we'll soon go to heaven. Everyone, you know what we start saying in the church? Tell people, be careful, oh, don't wear this or oh, don't do this oh, so that you, can, you don't make it, you don't seize, you don't make everyone. Oh. The Bible says, when that consciousness comes to you, put on Jesus. It didn't say, don't change, go and change your clothes. Put on more Christ. When the consciousness of heaven knocks on us, knocks at the door, the Bible is saying, zero more into Christ. Let me show you as we close. Verse 12. The night is fast spent. I would have loved to read this in the Message Bible. We'll read it next week anyway. The night is fast spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us know what? Let us not put on the armor of life. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting, on drunkenness. Not in chambering and wantonness and in strife, in envy. But putting on what? The Lord Jesus. Do you know the thought here? He's talking about the nearness, the closeness, the shortness, the consciousness of what Jesus is coming. He's coming. You understand? His manifestation is now. You know what we'll have done? In some circle, even in the history of the church, you will see all manner of warning and adjustment and many of those things border on external. Jesus, the Bible is telling us no. The consciousness of the Father, his time is nigh. Is a consciousness of that zero more into Christ. Your garment. Put on your garment. Oh Zion, put on your strength. Isaiah chapter 54. Rise to your feet tonight and let us close. Amen. You are getting a line of touch tonight. A flow. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Thank you for what you have done for us in your son. Thank you for the wisdom of your kingdom that delivers us from carnal works and plunge Jesus into the substance of life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, because you are our life. You are the substance of our life. You are the one that has made meaning, given us meaning, made our life to, to be meaningful. Thank you. Thank you for your workings. We submit to your wisdom. And we ask, oh God, that as we continue in these teachings, your wisdom will hold sway. You will help us. You will deliver us from every, every thought, every imagination that contradicts the efficacy of the truth. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name.